Thankful to be in God's house tonight. If you would, grab your Bibles. We'll jump right into the message this evening. Turn to 2 Chronicles, chapter number 5. 2 Chronicles, chapter number 5. And I want to thank Pastor for allowing me to have the opportunity to be up here once again and uh, be able to preach the Lord's Word. uh, 2 Chronicles, chapter number 5. If you're able to stand... Lord knows if you're not able to stand, but if you're able to, read just a few verses here. <clears throat> Second Chronicles chapter 5, and starting in verse number 7, we'll read down through verse 14, and in the chapter. Verse 7 says, And the priest brought in the ark of the covenant of the Lord unto his place, to the oracle of the house, and to the most holy place, even under the wings of the cherubims. For the cherubims spread forth their wings over the place of the ark, and the cherubims covered the ark and the staves thereof above. And they drew out the staves of the ark, that the ends of the staves were seen from the ark before the oracle, but they were not seen without. And there it is unto this day. There was nothing in the ark save the two tables which Moses put therein at Horeb when the Lord made a covenant with the children of Israel when they came out of Egypt. And it came to pass when the priests were come out of the holy place for all the priests that were present were sanctified and did not then wait by course. Also the Levites, which were the singers, all of them of Asaph and Heman and Jedithon, with their sons and their brethren, being arrayed in white linen, having cymbals and psalteries and harps, stood at the east end of the altar, and with them an hundred and twenty priests sounding with trumpets. That's a lot of trumpets. Verse verse 13, It came even to pass, as the trumpeters and singers were as one, to make one sound to be heard in praising and thanking the Lord. And when they lifted up their voice with the trumpets and cymbals and instruments of music, and praise the Lord, saying, For he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. That then the house was filled with a cloud, even the house of the Lord, so that the priest could not stand to minister by reason of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord had filled the house of God. This, uh, I know it's Christmas time, but the Lord didn't give me that. Um, I really believe this is the message for tonight, and uh, with that thought in mind and the passages that we just read, I want to ask you the question, which is the title of the message tonight, has his glory filled your house? <clears throat> has his glory filled your house? You and I are the temple of God, right? If you're a child of God, he abides in you, he lives in you, and so when's the last time his glory has filled your house? Um, and I hope we better understand that here in just a few minutes. Let's, let's have a word of prayer. Father, thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you for your presence here tonight. Lord, I'm thankful for my church. And Lord, we again, once more, lift up our pastor. Thankful, Lord. He's so faithful. And uh, God, I pray that you touch him and heal him, get him back to us quickly, and all those that are sick in our church. But tonight, Lord, we desire to meet with you. It's a cold night. Lord, there's a lot of things could be going on in our minds. Help us just to rest our minds for a few minutes. Give us what we need, Lord, that we might be able to be more changed in the image of your Son. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you for standing. (laughs) 
little backdrop into what we're, where we're at in the passage. <clears throat> we know this, that uh, Solomon here, this, is, this chapter is talking about Solomon. The verse number one uh, describes uh, or tells us who it is, and Solomon now is building a work. He's building the, the first temple where God would abide and uh, where God wouldn't have to be just moved around in a tent. And so it'd be stationary now. And, and uh, this is a big deal because for years, hundreds of years, God uh, uh, was willing to travel with them in a tabernacle, to meet with them in a tabernacle, something that would be erected and then uh, you know, taken down, put back up. Every time God would move, they would move with God. And every time they would, God would stop, they would have to uh, re-put up the, the tabernacle and everything there. And, and so it was, a, it was a big process. But uh, later on came uh, a man by the name of David. David, the one that killed Goliath. And so David had a heart for God. And, and, he, and he, after he would look around for a while, God would be blessing his life. Uh, he started looking around and says, man, I've got a place to stay. I've got a house to stay, and God doesn't. This ain't, this ain't even right. Uh, we need to do something for God and, uh, and, and build a place where, where he can abide. His presence would always be there, and, and, uh, and uh, he don't need to be in a tent. We ought to put him in a nice place here and call a temple. And, and so uh, he had a heart to do that, but we know by reading Scripture that David had a past, as we all do. And uh, there's things that in David's life that happened that would keep him from being able to build the temple himself. And uh, his vision for that, though, would, would continue on with his son Solomon here in this passage. And, uh, and we know this, that I'm thankful for this, even though that you and I have messed up in the past and there might be some things uh, that uh, might disqualify me as a, as, and being able to do certain things for God or might hinder me sometimes from doing certain things for God, I can still be used by God. Praise the Lord for that. Uh, so, and, and I love that thought. I love how God still used David in a mighty way to continue to get all the supplies for his son Solomon. And uh, time Solomon came around and, and, the, and God was going to use him to, uh, to build this temple, he had everything he needed. And boy, that's just a good lesson for you parents and for me, uh, as, uh, as parents and grandparents, that we ought, to be, we ought to be doing everything we can to help set up our children to serve God. Amen? Uh, do everything we can do. And so now we get to the scene here in Second Chronicles chapter 5. The work has been done. The temple is a beautiful place. Uh, God has used Solomon and all these workers that have come in. And uh, I, I, could, I couldn't even imagine all the process that it took to get it built but now it's finally done, and they're excited, they're, and they're having a ceremony to, uh, to bring in the Ark of the Covenant, the very presence of God. They're going to bring it in, and they're going to set that Ark inside the most holy place, and they're excited about it. Why? Because God's going to be there. We ought to be excited when we come to the house of God. I'm not talking about making up things. I'm not talking about just going by emotions, but we ought to be excited for the things that God has done for you and I. And uh, when we show up at his house and meet with him, it ought to be an exciting time. And so we see here that uh, as they're excited about it, they bring in in verse number 7 where we started reading. Uh, it says there, And the priest brought in the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord unto his place. He ought to have a place in your temple. A place where there's, we could go with this a lot of different directions. You ought to have a place every day you meet with God. God, I have a place every day. You ask Him that you would fill me with your Holy Spirit, Lord. Uh, a place is an important thing. And so they had a specific place, uh, the, the most holy place, that they would come take the ark. And uh, as the Bible reads here, and we've seen it, they, they set up the ark, and uh, they put it in its, in its rightful place. And then you get down to verse, uh, verse number 12. <clears throat> 
Excuse me, it says, Also the Levites, which were the singers, all of them of Asaph and Heman and Jedithan, uh, with their sons and their brethren, being arrayed in white linen, having cymbals and psalteries and harps, stood at the east end of the altar, and with them a hundred and twenty priests sounding with trumpets. I mean, this is a big deal. They're going to they're make a big deal of it. Why? Because God's there. This is his place, and we ought to make a big deal when God, of God's place and where he's at and what he's doing in our life. And you get down to verse 13, and boy, they start blowing the trumpets, and their singers start singing. The Bible says this, they sing with one sound, in one accord, right? Uh, that's what we try to do here. This is all, it's all about him, right? <clears throat> We're not in one if, if somebody's singing to give glory to themselves. It should always be about him. Always be a, everything should be pointing to him. And a, a, as they get down to the bottom of verse 13, and as they're singing unto him and they're lifting him up in praise and in song, they say this, for he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. And uh, can I tell you, he never has changed, nor will he ever change. His mercy is still good. Uh, it still endures forever. He's still a good God. One of the best messages I, I, I remember, I, I don't think I'll ever forget it, was the last time I think Brother Vaughn preached here. And he preached that Sunday morning on how, how good God is. I mean, that is one of the best messages I've ever heard. Why? Because he is good. He doesn't change. When you and I change, circumstances change, things happen in our life, we wonder where we're going to go next, what's going to happen in my life now. We can trust in this. We can lean and stay on him knowing that he never changes. He's a good God. Thankful for that. When you get down to the end of the verse and it says this, what happens after they Praise him. What happens after they lift him up in song and, and, and they, and they uh, pray unto him and they lift him up talking good about him? It says that then the house was filled with a cloud, even the cloud of the Lord, so that the priest could not stand to minister by reason of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord had filled the house of God. God showed up. <clears throat> um, <clears throat> for years, I remember when the Lutrics would come, and uh, we're in meetings with them every now and then. <clears throat> we'll be in a meeting here in a couple months with them, Lord willing. And, and Brother Lutrick still will say the same thing. You know what? When you brag on God, he'll show up. He likes when his people uh, brag on him, talk about him, sing about him. And that's what God's people were doing here in this passage. And boy, they, they dedicated this, this whole temple to him. They, they, uh, they put the Ark of the Covenant in its rightful, proper place where God should have been. And then God shows up, and it says so much that he shows up that then his house was filled with a cloud. And it says, even, un- even the house of the Lord, so that the priest could not stand to minister by reason of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord had filled the house of God. You say, well, what, what's glory mean? <clears throat> there's, a, there's a lot of definitions for glory, by the way, but... Somewhat, what, what glory means is the brightness or luster or splendor of something or someone. It's when all the focus is on God. Now, His glory expands more than that. That's just, his glory is His attributes, who He is, everything He does. I mean, He's, just, he's God. There's no one to compare to Him. So he, His glory is unmatchable by anyone else. Uh, that's the God we serve. Uh, but that, that's, what, that's what it's talking about here. And as God, was, God moved in and he filled his house, uh, the, the, it says here that the, for the glory of the Lord had filled the house, and it talks about his glory being a cloud. If you, if you look at uh, Exodus chapter number 24, I think it's 16 or 17, it talks about his, his glory in that chapter uh, as being a uh, devouring fire. 
And there's other passages in the Bible where it talks about God's glory in different aspects. Uh, different uh, people view it in different ways as he presents himself differently at different times. But I can just tell you like this, I, it, is a great, uh, it is a great example of the Holy Spirit of God filling your house and mine in the New Testament era. Well, I'm just telling you right now, it's a good thing when I show up to church and I worship the Lord the way I should, and my heart's right with God, and the Lord moves in, and, and God does something in my heart that's special. I love that. And guess what? It can happen every single service. We don't have to show up, and man, I just hope he, he'll show up tonight. He said he will every time if we, just, if we come with the right spirit, the right heart. <clears throat> By the way, God has never changed. Ne- he never has changed. So what are you talking about? Well, obviously you know that, but there's something in here. There's a couple things I want us to look at tonight just for the next couple minutes. Uh, and, and we know this, that we want, we want God to show up. God does show up here at Riverside Baptist Church. And that's why I love coming back home, and, and uh, it's been a refreshing, been very refreshing to be home. Uh, the, the, the Sunday school lessons and the messages have been right on target lately for the, what I've been needing. I mean, just every single time. And, and uh, what is that? That's, that's God showing His glory in this place. He's showing Himself big and mighty. And, and guess what? He doesn't have to, but He wants to. He wants to do that for you and I. And, and, and knowing that he never changes, uh, as I read this passage, as I was looking at it, uh, there is something that shows that he never changes. The Bible says here in verse number 10, it says there was nothing in the ark. So they bring the ark in. Verse 10 says there was nothing in the ark, save the two tables which Moses put therein at Horeb, when the Lord made a covenant with the children of Israel when they came out of Egypt. <clears throat> There's only these two tables in there. You say, wait a minute now. <clears throat> Originally, there was more in there. Yeah, there was. If you would, turn in your Bibles uh, real quick with me to the book of Hebrews chapter 9. Hebrews chapter 9. Say, Brother Jim, I want that to happen here. I want God to fill this place every single time. Well, I can say this, He never changes, and He wants to every time. So what do I need from him to do that? Well, let's look at it here. Hebrews chapter 9, let's just start reading in uh, verse number 1. Then verily the first covenant had also ordinances of divine service and the worldly sanctuary. And there was a tabernacle made, the first, wherein was the candlestick and the table and the showbread, which is called the the sanctuary. And after the second veil, the tabernacle, which is called the holiest of all, which had the golden censer and the Ark of the Covenant overlaid round about with gold, wherein was the golden pot that had manna and Aaron's rod that budded and the tables of the covenant. We see here when, it, when that uh, Ark was originally made and, and the things, the items that were put in it, uh, there were three things that were put in. And as we look in our passage in Second Chronicles chapter 5, there's only, there's only the one thing. There's the, the two tables of, of the covenant that are in there. You say, what's the big deal about that? Well, it kind of got me thinking as you look back in Scripture. Uh, I have some pastor friends that uh, are much uh, uh, seasoned, more seasoned than me, and have been studying the Ark of the Covenant for years. I'm talking 25 years plus. And uh, if there's someone here tonight that can tell me specifically, I can't find it myself, neither can they find where these other two items were removed from the ark. I mean, it's just not in there. I can't find it. Uh, so somewhere along the line, uh, when God told Moses to, uh, to put these things in, 
uh, they were taken back out. And so, as you, uh, as we know this, there, something has happened since then. And as I got to looking at this, uh, what are these items, the other two items that were in there? Well, you have the golden pot that had manna. Uh, that thing, what that uh, speaks of is the blessings of God. I mean, the golden pot, it was the blessings of God. I mean, it just, uh, he supplied their needs. He, he, he blessed them when, uh, when they shouldn't even have been blessed. And so you have the golden pot of manna. And the other thing was Aaron's rod that budded. Aaron's rod speaks of the miracles and the power of God. I mean, God's power, a powerful right arm. I mean, there was nothing that, there's nothing that can stop God. And so these two items used to be in there. And uh, I don't know when it happened. I'm not going to up here and be in fact that it happened at a certain time. Uh, but I know this in 2 Samuel chapter number 6, verses 19 and 20, the Bible describes, uh, um, it describes a, a scenario where the, the men of Beth Shemesh uh, had, had, had received the Ark of the Covenant uh, back from the, uh, the Philistines, you remember that story? <clears throat> that's, a, that's, a funny, that's a funny chapter. <clears throat> I won't get into all You can go back and read it. Uh, but God caused them to have some issues because they were taking, <laughs> taking the Ark of the Covenant. And uh, as they said, that we've had enough. We're not going to mess with this no more. You can have it back. As they give it back, the, bit, the men of Beth Shemesh uh, receive the Ark of the Covenant back, but they do something they're not supposed to do. They remove the mercy seat, and they look inside the ark. And 50,070 people died. That's, I mean, that's two-thirds of St. Joseph died because they just looked in. The Bible doesn't say they take these other two items out, but for thought tonight, I don't know who did, I wonder if they are the ones that did it. No matter who it was, <clears throat> whoever looked into the ark or whoever would have taken these items out uh, could, been, could have been these men. As they would look in, I just wonder, as they opened up, they take that mercy seat off the ark, they thought, my goodness, if the Philistines can't have it, and uh, we want to be blessed, we want these things that God has to offer. And so they look inside, and they look, and as they look in, they see the two tables of the covenant over, on, over here on this side. And as they look in there, they see Aaron's rod, and they see the golden pot, of manna. And uh, there's no doubt, at, at being a fleshly people that, as they were, they were, uh, they, you know, no doubt they wasn't right with God because they disobeyed God's commandment. And as they open that up and they look in, they get a little greedy. Maybe it was then, maybe it wasn't. I don't know who it was, but I do know this. Whoever looks in, they look at the two tables of the covenant and say, well, that's the, that's the word of God, that's the law of God. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll wait on that one here. But hey, look at this. We got Aaron's rod that budded. Well, I tell you what, I'd like to see some miracles and some things happen in my life. And, and so I'm going to reach in and they take out that Aaron's rod and they want the miracles and they want the power of God in their life. And so they take it. As they look back down in there, they see the golden pot of manna and that's the blessings of God. Who doesn't want the blessings of God? Amen. I'm going to reach in. I'm going to grab the blessings of God as well. And, uh, and, and in greed, they take the two things, but the third one, they just leave like most want to do. Oh, I want the power of God. I want God to fix my marriage. I want God to fix my family, my job scenario. I want, I want God to do all these things. I need the right hand of God in my life. And can I tell you, you do. Uh, but, but too many times we want God's uh, power. We want his presence. We want his blessings. But we want nothing to do with his word. <clears throat> and what I love about this passage back in Second Chronicles chapter 5 is what did they have? 
They had the Ark of the Covenant and the Word of God. They had God's presence and they had His Word. And God showed up. They didn't need lights. They didn't need cameras. They didn't need music shows. They didn't need a, a bunch of hooping and hollering around. They didn't need a, a, a miracle show to go on to touch people and heal them. They didn't need any of that. They didn't need the, 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 you know, the, the great messages of health and wealth and blessings from God, but they don't preach it on nothing else. Uh, can I just tell you, too many times we're the same way if we're not careful. We want everything that God has to offer, and if we get a, we want to use God kind of like a spare tire. If something happens bad in my life, God, I'm going to come to you. I need that blessings. I need that, that miracle to work. But we neglect the Word of God over and over and over. Can I tell you? It's a dangerous place to be. <clears throat> in 2 Chronicles chapter 5 here, back to our text, this is what I love, is that it's still the same today. God hasn't changed. You and I, tonight, we have the Word of God right here. And we have the Holy Spirit of God living inside of us, the very presence of God. So we have everything from God that we need for Him to meet with us and fill our house each and every day. <clears throat> but does He have all of you? Does He have all of me? You say, what are you saying? I'm saying this, that as we look at the passage a little closer tonight, just for a couple more minutes, I want you to notice a couple things we can see here that God hasn't changed, and God's still the same, just like back in this day, uh, all the way back to Solomon's time, when uh, God showed up, uh, he, cause, why? and all they had from him was his presence, his word, of, the, the very word of God. Uh, what's changed today? Why, why sometimes we don't see God work? So why sometimes we do see God move in and, and fill our house? Well, it really has to do with you and me, because he never changes. We're the ones that are, we're making wrong decisions, things that aren't right in our life, and so uh, I'll just notice a couple things real quick with me tonight, if you would. Number one, I want you to notice this. They prepared a sacrifice. Uh, they prepared a sacrifice. Back in verse number six, uh, I think it is, let's see here. Yes, verse number six, it says, Also King Solomon and all the congregation of Israel that were assembled unto him before the ark sacrificed sheep and oxen, which could not be told nor numbered for multitude. Say, so Brother Jim, what are you getting at? I'm just saying this, that uh, uh, just like God filled the house there with, with this cloud, with this smoke, uh, he, he wants to do the same with the Holy Spirit of God in your life and mine every day. But one of the ingredients is this, you're going to have to be willing to sacrifice each and every day. The Bible says here that in order for this to happen, what was, what was done on their part, they were willing to sacrifice in fact, so much so that a multitude, a great number, uh, so much that couldn't even be numbered there, it says, in verse number 6, uh, they were willing to, to make sacrifices. And, and can I tell you, for you and I to meet with God each and every time we show up at God's house, it's going to take some sacrificing by you and me. Our time, our effort, our money, I mean, just we're busy schedules, we've got a lot, a lot of things going on in life. But hey, I want to meet with God. Isn't it a special thing when, when, you, when you hardly even get to the preaching and you're just ready to crawl to the altar? <clears throat> and then when, when God's man, our pastor gets up and starts preaching halfway through the message, I mean, I'm, I'm just like, I'm ready to get up there. Just let me go. Sometimes I should. Just go ahead and go on up. Why wait? I'm just saying this, that they were willing to do some sacrificing in order, in order that they could meet with God. And there's no, there's no big explanation I need to have here. It's just simple tonight that if you want to meet with God, it's going to take some sacrifice on your part and mine. 
We're going to have to spend some time in the Word of God and prayer at home instead of just trying to meet with God when we show up. <clears throat> Most of the time when we show up, and we got so much of the world on us, and I understand, I used to come off 12-hour days and uh, come here and, and uh, working at the, the battery plant and all of that. I understand that, getting up 2 or 3 in the morning and being there and working 12 hours, just worn slick, and coming in, I barely can keep my eyes open. I totally understand that. But I do know this, when I wanted to make time, and I did, it's like, man, pastor really preaches really good tonight. His message was great. It's usually good. He, a lot of times it's just me because I haven't been walking with God like I should. I'm just saying this, it takes some sacrifice for you and me. But if we're willing to do that, God's willing to meet with you and I. He hasn't changed. We still have His Word and His presence. So we see here, number one, I want you to notice first that uh, in order for us, what, 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 is, what is our responsibility? Our responsibility is to be willing to prepare to, be, to make some sacrifices in order to meet with God. Number two tonight, uh, we see it in verse uh, number 11. It says, and, and it came to pass when the priests were come out of the holy place, for all the priests that were present were sanctified and did not then wait by course. It goes on to talk about these uh, priests and the Levites. So not, not number one, if we want to meet with God on our part, what are we responsible for? Some sacrifice. But also number two, they practice separation. <clears throat> wow. They did. It says sanctified, set apart, different. Uh, I love the messages pastors have been preaching on Wednesday night. <clears throat> I mean, he's, I've, uh, we have been traveling now for eight or nine years. All the messages I've ever heard on anything when, when it comes to standards of any sort, best message I've ever heard. I'm not just saying that. He, he's presented it from dealing with the heart because that's where it all stems from. Uh, when I, when I want to please God, I, don't, I could care less about what everybody else thinks. I want to do anything it takes to please God. It doesn't matter what it is, I'm willing to do it. Why? Because I want to please Him. And, and, and this is what happened. The Bible says here that all the priests were sanctified. They were set apart. What does that mean? That means they had some standards that they were going to go by. Uh, that means that they knew that in the service of God, if I want to meet with God in a special way, uh, boy, I'm going to be willing to say, well, God, whatever you want me to do, I'm willing to separate myself unto it. doesn't matter what anybody else thinks. You told me to do this. I'm going to do it. And that's what it takes to meet with God. Oh, it does. The reason why is because we can have it in our own mind. Well, I can just I can do anything I want. Well, you can do that, but you won't meet with God the way He wants to meet with you. You'll never do it. You'll never meet with God the way He wants to meet with you. You'll never have your house filled. And then most people that are, are very uh, critical, if you want to say it that way, I can say this because I grew up in church. I used to be that way. That every little thing, well, why are we doing this and why are we doing that? How come we got this standard? How come we... Most people like that, <clears throat> when somebody gets up, raises their hand, little Brant, hey man, why do, you, why do you do that? That's what they think. You want to know why? Because they never had their house filled. They, have, they, don't, they don't walk with God at home. They don't. I have no problem saying it. <clears throat> they don't walk with God. They don't have a walk with God, so they ir- they're irritated when somebody gets excited. That's the truth. And, and this, is, this, is where, this is where it's really hard for me sometimes. At the same time, I just, I just understand it this way. God wants to meet with me. I should be willing to do whatever it takes to separate myself from the world, 
so that I could have this intimate relationship with Him. I mean, intimate. That's what He wants. He desires that for you and I. And this, this is a, what a wonderful God we serve. He wants to, he wants to fill your house. He wants to, he wants to show Himself mighty in, in your presence all the time. But it's first going to take you and I making some sacrifices, whatever He wants us to sacrifice, and be willing to separate ourselves unto Him. But not only that, <clears throat> thirdly, it, it mean, uh, we see here in verse, let's see here, uh, verse number 9. It says, And they drew out the staves of the ark, that the ends of the staves were seen from the ark before the oracle. But they were not seen without, and there it is unto this day. What, what does that have to do with anything? <clears throat> well, number one, they prepared a sacrifice. They were willing to sacrifice. Number two, they practiced separation from the world unto him. That's why he met with them. And then thirdly, they planned on God staying. They wanted God to stay. Say, so what, what are you saying? I'm saying this. When you read back in Exodus... Those staves were to never be taken out of the ark until God said. It was a commandment. They stay in the ark, in the rings. You don't take them out. Now, <clears throat> they get here. God allows them to take the staves out. What's that mean? We're, we're not moving this no more. It's permanent right here. And can I just remind you and I that we can have a daily walk. We don't have to be hit and miss every other week. Man, you can be excited about the things of God each and every day. And it, it, it can be something that you, you, you think long-term, right? I mean, when I come to the altar, I, I'm tired of just coming to the altar and saying, God, I want to get right, and hopefully I'll make it by tomorrow afternoon. And I, want, I want this to last. I want, to, I want it to keep on happening, right? I know we're going to fall. I know I'm made of flesh. I know you are. I know all that. But my, my will, my mind should be, man, I want, to, I want God to stay deep inside of me. I want to have that close relationship every day. I'm ready to pull the staves out and plant, plant Him here in my heart that I meet with Him every single time when I come before Him. Plan on Him staying for a while instead of just hopping around spiritually. Most Christians quit church, quit everything, because their life's like this. Emotional roller coaster. <clears throat> and we've all been there. I'm, not, I'm preaching to me. But the reason why I get there a lot of times because I'm not serious enough I want him to stay. I don't want to just come forward and make a, make a quick decision that just lasts for a few minutes. I want him to stay. I want to be close to him. And as they pulled out the staves out of this Ark of the Covenant, it was there to stay permanently. That was the plan. Can I just tell you tonight, that's what it's going to take for you and me. We want to meet with God. We want God's presence to be in our life. We want to come to church and be excited and, 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 and have Him really, truly speak to our heart every time we come. And then get up in the morning the next day and meet with Him just as much as you did at church because you've been reading your Bible, you've been praying, you're asking God, be real to me. I don't want to just go through the motions. It's going to take sacrifice, separation, and, him, and you being willing to stay with Him. Wanting Him to stay with you permanently. Not just be making choices on a whim. No, Lord, I'm in this for the long haul. <clears throat> and I, I promise you, it's still that way today. You say, well, what are you talking about? Well, let's end it here. Ephesians chapter number 5. You know where I'm probably going. Ephesians chapter number 5. 
Verse 18. And be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but what? Be filled with the Spirit. We've heard it preached here uh, many times. That's a continual thing, day in, day out. He gets more of me when I'm filled with the Spirit of God. I already know He lives inside of me. He abides in me because I'm saved. I'll never lose that. But He wants more of who I am, my will, my, my way, my emotions, my dreams. He wants all of that. And I believe that's what being filled with the Spirit of God is. You say, well, how does that correlate? Same thing. You want to have the Holy Spirit in your life, indwell, or, or filling your life each and every day? It'll take the same three things. Being willing to sacrifice, being willing to be separated from this world, holy unto Him. And then thirdly, it's a daily thing. Just like a drunk is not a drunk unless he's drunk every day. It's the same way with being filled with the Spirit. God says, I want, I want this to be a continual thing each and every day. <clears throat> I believe tonight that there might be some choices that night might need to be made in your life and mine to start off this new year. Why don't we just start it right tonight? Maybe there's some areas of our life where we can look back. How's your Bible reading going? Have you even opened the Word of God today? How's your prayer life? When's the last time you prayed for your children or your wife or your husband, your grandparents, the church? I don't get it done perfect every day. I fall and mess up. I'm right there with everybody else. But I want to try. I want God to, I want God to use me. I don't, want, I don't want, this year, I'll just be honest with you, this year has been the closest I've been to the Lord that I feel like I've been to the Lord. I want to double that next year. I, don't, I want to be closer to him. I want to, I want to be more sensitive. I want to be used by him more than I was this year. I want, I want that to happen next year. I, I would venture to say we're all in the same boat. Because if you stay the same, I'll just say it again. I've said it several times. Church gets real boring. You just go through the motions. And you come up, you sing, you sing in the choir. After a while, you're, it's, just, it's just the same old, same old thing, and you get to a place where you, you haven't met with God for weeks. <clears throat> I believe the Lord wants to fill our house, be filled with the Spirit. He wants to do it daily. So when's the last time He's filled your house? When's the last time you really felt like you met with God? Well, what it'll take, it'll be sacrifice, separation, and a decision that I'm going to stay with you for the long haul, Lord. Each and every day, I'm going to make that decision to spend time with you. I guarantee you, if you make those three decisions and you're willing to do whatever God says, He'll meet with you in a special way. If there's any time we need to make that choice, it'd be tonight. If we could have everyone stand, heads bowed, eyes closed, short and sweet to the point tonight, but I do believe this, that so many... I believe there's probably a lot in this church house tonight that are just tired of going through the motions. I don't want to just go through the motions. I want God to meet with me. I want to, I want to, when I hear the singing, I want Him to already be ministering to my heart. When I, 
when I open my Bible at home, it's like he's right there whispering in my ear. Man, I want that. Say, Brother Jim, how come I'm not seeing that? Well, try the test. Are you willing to sacrifice anything? Do you have some separation issues? Pastor's been preaching some excellent messages. God's been knocking on your heart's door saying, hey, I want this to change so you can get closer to me. Maybe there's something in your life you need to separate from. Maybe tonight could be a choice of staying in for the long haul. God, I'm, I've been just kind of short term with you. I'm ready. To, I want you to stay for good. Every day I want to have a close relationship with you. Altars are open tonight. Whatever God spoke to your heart, challenge you to come. Let's start this new year off right. Amen. Have thine own way, Lord.